Take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John. I hope that you've rehearsed well tonight and that you will be ready for next week as we come together. And uh, go out, hey, I love going out and caroling as a, as a people, as a church, especially uh, just kind of seeing some of the folks that maybe don't get as much physical activity or, or maybe attention from us as, as we would hope. And um, I tell you, it's going to be good for us to go. Now, I do have one request, though. Margie, you're going with my group, all right? You bringing the piano? Please? It helps a lot. I'm telling you, I could sing so much louder tonight knowing that you were in the background playing like that. Yeah? You work it out. Bob Myers, Chairman of Deacons. Work it out, all right? On the back of the truck? In the olden days? I like the olden days. Let's bring them back. We'll do that. Hey, let's look at the Gospel of John, just uh, the first few verses here. And um, I might skip down and look at verse 14 for a moment. But, um, you know, what a, what a great morning for us this morning as we were able to celebrate through music and worship. As I mentioned, uh, again, I appreciate our worship ministry, our music ministry for presenting what they did and just kind of focusing us for a few moments on uh, the coming of this one, the coming of God himself, reminding us over and over that we celebrate God with us, that God came down to us. And that's what we see again in the Gospel of John. So I want to I kind of just give you just two truths, really, as we look at the preexistent Word, as we look at the Incarnate Word, and talk about kind of how that fits together just a few moments tonight, okay? The Gospel of John, John is writing so that his readers will believe, they will trust, they will have faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the one that has been, had been foretold, the one that had been promised. John writes, and he is hoping that his readers will fully, well, they will fully embrace Jesus as the Savior. So in the very beginning, when he, when he starts his gospel, he just gives it to us up front. I mean, he, he doesn't pull any punches he wants us to know the identity of this Jesus, the identity of this word. He wants to put it on the table for us so that we will know that God is with us. Notice the way he begins his gospel. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. You know, during this time of year, I guess my mind focuses much more on the incarnation. On God coming in flesh. And, and, and certainly it should. Because this is the time of year when we hear it spoken about in our churches. We, uh, we celebrate, we sing carols about it. So obviously our mind is more focused upon this idea of God with us, that God came for us. But perhaps every day we should think about this and we should think about how Jesus himself was God and that Jesus himself, his being, well, his being did not start in Bethlehem. Jesus did not just start being in a stable in Bethlehem. The Son had always existed for all of eternity, eternity, the Son had been. And that is 
one of those things when I think about this time of year just, just blows my mind. Now, my mind is pretty simple. I thought there would be at least 10 amens. My mind is very simple. I understand that. And trying to just wrap my mind around these things, you know, I, I know I may have greater difficulty than others, but look, something like this, it is hard to comprehend. But listen again to the way John presents it to us. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, specifically, John is using this terminology of Word to refer to Jesus. How do we know this? Look in verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we behold His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Don't miss it. He's talking about Jesus. So he's using this terminology of the word to refer to Jesus. And he says Jesus was in the beginning. So Jesus was existed before Bethlehem. He was the pre-existing God of this universe. That is what blows my mind and certainly blows yours to begin to think about Jesus as God, the second person of the Trinity, that he has always been. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that this Jesus was taking part in all of creation. That he himself created everything that we could think about, we could know everything that was made. Notice, when you look at verse 1, you'll also see that he was in the beginning. Notice it says that he was with God and that he was God. That he himself was divine. He himself was God. Now, we don't have enough time to kind of delve in all this idea of the Trinity tonight. Just understanding that each person of the Godhead was fully God. Again, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, fully God. Each one and had existed for all of eternity before Bethlehem. And that this Jesus was divine. Back in the fourth century, I believe, they had this argument in the church life. Can you imagine a church having an argument? I'm proud of it. See, I'm proud it doesn't even go to your imagination. So I am, really. Don't imagine it, okay? I'm not encouraging you to imagine it either. And not to go from here and imagine. But back in the fourth century, they had a little bit of debate. Like, who was this Jesus? And was he really... um, was, it, was he really the same as the Father in some sense as far as being the same in essence and the same in being? Is he, is he the same in the authority and the being as the Father? And there have been those who had come in and said, no, you know, he wasn't. He's not quite the same. Some people even, some people even decided that this Jesus was the first created being. In church history, it's called Arianism. That, there was, that Jesus was a created person. He was the first created individual, first of all creation, actually. 
but that he was a created by the Father. Present day, that teaching is held by some that we refer to as Jehovah's Witnesses. That Jesus is just the first of all creation. So they, they began to argue. They argued in particular over two specific words. Homoousia. Some of you just looked at me like, are you speaking in tongues? Some of you, you hadn't heard a word I've said tonight, and all of a sudden you think, he's just going to Pentecostal on me. Homoousia. Break it apart means, homo means same. Usia means being. So it means of the same being or of the same substance. Some people held that Jesus was of the same substance of, as the Father. The same being as the Father. That he was totally divine. That he represented, yes, but he was in true substance like the Father. There was another word which they would add just what we'd say in the English, an, an I to it. Homoousia. Just with a little I. In the Greek, it's a iota. It means that he was of similar substance. Kind of like the Father. Not necessarily in essence like the Father. Not necessarily the, the God. But he was similar to the Father. And they dug back into the scriptures. They looked at the tradition. They tried to determine who is this Jesus. And this scripture in particular, I think, helped inform them that Jesus was not just similar to the Father in his essence and in his being, but that he was the same as. By the way, that's where we get our saying. It doesn't matter one iota or iota. The eye of the Greek? Yes, it does. Sometimes it does matter. And it mattered then because we need to understand that this Jesus that we're serving, he's not just some created being. He's not just, some, he's not just someone that kind of looks like the Father. Jesus himself is divine. He is of the same essence of the Father and the Holy Spirit that together they represent the Trinity. They are that Jesus is God. And that's what the scripture is teaching us here in this point. Is that Jesus himself is God. Well, some of those of Jehovah's Witnesses and some of those that would refer to themselves as Muslim will try to retranslate this and say it says that he was a God and all these kinds of things. But look at the context in particular. Notice verse 3 again. All things were made through him. Paul refers to this creation over in the book of Colossians the same way. And it says, without him nothing was made that was made. Catch that last part. Nothing was made without him. Nothing was made that was made. It sounds, kind of sounds confusing, doesn't it? It means if you look around and you see anything and it was made, Jesus had a hand in that. Everything that was made. So for those that would say Jesus was made, nope, right here in this passage, it says that everything was made was made by him. He was the creator. He is the God 
that we recognize. And he has existed for all of eternity. And that is the reason we find life in him. He is the one who brings everything into focus. And the principle of all of life is found in him. Let me take you one step farther. Some of you said I'm already past the Greek words. No more, please. Have I ever told you what my English professor at Blue Mountain used to say? She was a good Methodist lady. I loved her to death. She used to tell all of these uh, search committees, these pastor search committees, when they were looking for preachers, she said, never get a preacher that's had Greek or been to the Holy Land. And they'd say, why? She said, because that's all they'll ever talk about. It's Greek and the Holy Land. You'll never hear anything else from the sermon. That's the only thing you'll ever hear. Just don't hire one like that. Well, maybe I don't talk about it all the time, but it is interesting. Look, in the beginning was the Word. The Word certainly can identify a, a spoken Word. It, it, could, it could talk about uh, our verbal presentation or revelation or communication. But you, many of you who are students of the Scripture, you know that that word there is logos. The logos. In Greek, it was much more than a spoken word. If you really go back and study the Greeks and what they thought about it, they believe behind all of this universe, behind all of what you see, there is some type of unifying principle. There is something, there's a reason and principle that's out there that holds everything else together. They called it the Logos. We call him Jesus because he holds it all together. What did Paul say? It is through him that all things consist. Everything. He made it all. He holds it all together. That Jesus, he is the principle behind it all. Everything in creation points back to him and to his glory. Everything. So I give you all that for you then to stop and think about verse 14, the incarnation. See, this is where it really, again, defies reason and rationality and comprehension. Because you're talking about this one that has made everything that is the defining principle behind it all. You're talking about the one that has existed from all eternity. He's existed. And now he steps into human history. And when he steps into human history, he comes as a baby. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He, he, he came as baby. Now, I love seeing the nativity scenes. Uh, I, I love having them in our house. Uh, there's, I think, Leslie, we have a couple that stay up just about year-round because I, I just love seeing the nativity scenes. Um, now, I know some of you got some theological, biblical, uh, what did you say, hang-ups with the wise men being there. I got you. I understand that. Probably came two years later 
up to two years. I, I got all that. I'm just saying, don't focus on that for a moment. Focus on the nativity. Come with me. Go right to go right to the manger here and look at that baby. And yes, your first response, probably like mine, is like, oh, that's kind of cute. You know, when you see when you see a baby in some type of presentation, there's the like, oh. I mean, it's kind of like that whenever you see a baby, right? When somebody brings a baby, well, you, uh, you can go ahead. You can say it if you want to. Uh, say it out loud. Get out of your system. You're going to do it when you get home. Then you'll have a... Yeah, you just, you know, there's some of that like, uh, you know, just a baby and a baby face. And, oh, it's, it's okay to do that at the manger scene. But what I want you to do is when you look at that baby, I want you to think about God himself. The pre-existence. The God who had been for all of eternity. Not created, he was the creator. He is the one that gave you and me breath. He is the one that hung the stars and the sun and the moon. He is the one that spoke into the darkness and there was light. He is God. And this God humbled himself so much to come as a child in flesh and to dwell among us, to live among us. And John says we beheld, we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Later on, when John writes, he'll, he'll write, this first little epistle that we have. And he, he begins it by reminding us of how they beheld this Jesus. I, I love this. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. It's kind of like the prologue of his letter. Verse 1, he says, That which was from the beginning. John seems to be obsessed with the beginning. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we've seen it and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John says, hey, we... We beheld him. John says, we looked at him. We touched him. He was real. He was a human being in flesh. For those of you who were in my study a few weeks ago in the chapel when we were talking about fishing, going to fish a little bit, evangelism, we talked a little bit about this and a little bit about this passage because... This passage reminds us, John reminds us, that Jesus was human. He was human, just like us. 
I mean, do you hear this description? It's like he's not just a ghost. He's not just some phantom. He's not just some spirit that appeared for a little while. He was flesh and blood. And John was like, if you don't believe me, you need to ask some of us who were there because we saw him. We touched him. We lived with him and we beheld the glory of the Father. He came in flesh. He dwelt among us. Some translations there might ought to translate, translate that. He tabernacled with us. I like that language. The Old Testament, God's presence being really demonstrated through the tabernacle. It would, God's presence would be there with his people in the tabernacle, the place of dwelling. He tabernacled with us. He came to be with us. John says, we saw him. We knew him. We beheld his glory, the glory of the Father himself. Remember, it's John, I believe, that will tell us, if we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. We've seen that glory of God. And it was this this God in flesh that came as a baby, and that's what we celebrate, especially during this season. But don't forget, this is the God in flesh that walked this earth, that taught with authority, that healed individuals, that spoke the truth into people's lives and hearts, who cast out demons who demonstrated his power over the wind and the sea. This God in flesh that lay his life down on the cross of Calvary. When that spear pierced his side, the scripture says, John tells us, that blood and water was issued forth. Because he wasn't just a phantom a ghost, a spirit. He was a God in flesh. And he died for us. And then that third day, that third day, after his death, that body was resurrected. Now, it wasn't quite the same. It was a resurrected body. It was a glorified body. But that body was resurrected. In him there is life. Too many did not understand the message and the light that he brought into this world when he was born in Bethlehem. Too many did not. But thanks be to him that he shone through the darkness. Even into the darkness of the Gentile nations. His light would shine and we would know what salvation and life truly is so tonight we recognize this pre-existent word who became the incarnate word for us and we celebrate his life and we know that this first coming this advent 
will only give way to a second coming. A second advent, if you will. And in that time and in that day, he will be recognized, yes, as the word. May I read this to you as we close tonight? Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened. Behold, a white horse. He who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations." And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Because the word that was in the beginning, the word that was God, the word which came for us, God with us, is the God that gave us life and light, And he is the God who will return one day. He is the word of God that will achieve all victory. The consummation, maybe I should say, of the victory that he has already won. Because there is a first coming, there will be a second coming. And this Christmas season, may we take joy in what he has already done and what he is going to do. The faithful word. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for this night. Thank you for this reflection. Lord, this study tonight. And Lord, I pray that we would recognize that when we see that baby in the nativity, that that represents God with us. I pray that you would help us recognize that you sent your son, the fully divine, of the same essence and being as you, the same substance, you sent him for us because you loved us so much. Thank you for demonstrating true humility in your son. And thank you for allowing him to walk this earth as in flesh. Thank you for Allowing him to give his life for us. Thank you for resurrecting him. And thank you for the day that we look. That day we look forward to. When you will send him again to receive us unto yourself. Lord, we long for it. And we know that just as you worked historically... Lord, you will continue to work in our lives and one day you will break into this life again in in a dramatic, wonderful way. And Lord, so many of us tonight, we pray it. Even so, come Lord Jesus. We love you. We praise you. In his name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?